Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. We're back with another edition of Flyers Daily, and it's a Monday, and there's a ton to discuss from the NHL draft to a trade and much, much more. He joins us right now from NHL.com, HockeyBuzz.com, and PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. It's Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? I am doing well. We are at the uh, time of the uh, offseason where we're, everything is fast and furious, and then you hit the, the lull till camp. So we're, uh, you know, we're development camp time, then free agency, and then things get quiet for a while. Yeah, it's like the crux of the offseason. Yeah. The draft really starts it in leading that week leading into the draft. And then, like you said, development camps all over the NHL are happening right now, including in Voorhees with the Flyers. And then uh, free agencies, a couple of days, maybe a couple lingering guys. And then after that, it's basically cottage time, as the Canadians say. And everything kind of goes dark until players start showing up for uh, skates, voluntary skates in uh, advance of training camp. So let's start there, Bill. Development camp. Bobby Brink. Uh, I know the news broke uh, yesterday that Bobby Brink is dealing with a hip issue. I know you corroborated it. He wasn't on the uh, the roster or a t- list of attendees for development camp. What's the latest on Brink? Uh, he is going to see a specialist this week, and uh, they will see if surgery is necessary. That decision hasn't been made yet. Um, if there is surgery that's necessary, he will probably you know miss the start of the season and a, and a chunk into the season. Flyers have just had... Un, I mean, if, they've had, if, they, if it wasn't for bad luck with injuries, especially prospect injuries, they've had none, no inj- no luck at all for six years running now. It's been it's been astonishing, frankly. It's been otherworldly. Yeah. The, the, you know, you met, it's been six years. They obviously had a lot of injury issues this year with Ellis and Couturier and, and all yeah. that stuff. But the, the list, you know, the period of time that it goes back for prospects is even more pronounced. And some people go, well, what are they doing down there? A lot of these guys have been getting injured working out on their own and Get, you know, doing preparations or in some cases, you know, just the rarities of life where you get injured. But a hip injury is one that, I, I mean, potentially, Bill, could this keep him out for the season? Depends on the, depending on how extensive it is. And, you know, I mean, I, I he, he'll miss a He's chunk not a great time. skater to begin with. And there's a no, lot of hips in skating. No. <laughs> and, a, and a five foot eight guy who's not a great skater. So it, yeah. it's, a con, it's a concern. I mean, it's definitely a concern. Um you know, hope, hopefully it'll be some good news here. They're overdue some good news where, you know, maybe physical therapy or whatever might might be able to strengthen the area and he can work around it. But it's certainly certainly not the news you wanted coming into camp. That's for darn sure. Yeah, and when Chuck Fletcher met with the media regarding uh, a couple weeks ago and he, regarding Joel Farabee, and he said, i just hoping I don't get another phone call, and he gets another phone call. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing about it is, too, Bill, was he ticketed in your mind to start the year with the Phantoms regardless? Um, I think unless he had a huge camp, I think he was probably going to start with the Phantoms. I I, I thought that uh, Bobby, sh- you know, showed some flashes, and you, you could see the potential and the ice vision he had. He also looked a little overmatched to me. I think yeah. on the whole, and being that being that small and, and needing you know more physical development and more time, you know, hey, eventually his skill and his his hockey IQ would come to the forefront, and you know, continuing to gain some strength and and you know, some, not, I, I don't know what, but just some, some experience and figuring out what works for him at the pro level. And yeah. sometimes that's better off in the American league. So I kind of had him ticketed for the start in the AHL, but I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a blow of the organization. It's particularly with Joel Farabee likely to miss maybe in November, you know, that's, uh, you know, that, that might've presented an opportunity for Bobby. So it's, uh, 
That's rough. Yeah, it's and it just it seems like like you said, if they didn't have bad luck, they'd have no luck at all. Uh, let's get to the kind of the big news and the rather polarizing news. Flyers Twitter is in a tizzy, um, and look, understandably so. Uh, but they acquire Tony D'Angelo, of course, from Sewell, New Jersey. Uh, they get, uh, grab D'Angelo and a seventh round pick, two hundred and twentieth overall in this draft. Uh, they also sent in exchange a fourth round pick, which was one hundred and first overall. Uh, in the 2022 draft, the one that just happened, a third round pick next year in 2023, the lowest of the three third round picks that they have, and a second round pick in 2024. And they get D'Angelo and they extend him. He was a restricted free agent. First blush, when you see the deal uh, ha- was happening, what was your first thoughts on Tony D'Angelo joining this decor? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, to, to keep everything just at the hockey level here, I, I, I think that I had two reactions. When you're viewing a player coming in, you know you have to you have to think, okay, what does he bring? What are his liabilities? And how does it how does it affect the team's needs going forward? So, you know, let's start with, let's start with the positives here. The Flyers are a team that really needed a lot of improvements. Still needs improvement exiting the defensive zone, like that first pass getting the puck up ice. Those are things he, he's very good at that. Very good passer, um, very good anticipation of the four check coming in and hitting a guy with a quick pass and, and joining, joining the playoff ice too. Very good at those things. He, he can, I think part of the reason uh, why he, he meshed so well with uh, Jacob Slavin is they could both play with pace. Uh, yeah. It'd be, it'd be really nice if the Flyers had a Jacob Slavin to pair him with, but they don't. Um, but uh, you know, those two balance each other off perfectly. So I think that uh, I think, for, but I think from the offensive side, certainly the power play side, you know, you had the the worst power play in the NHL and the second worst power play season in franchise history. You know, you needed you needed a first power play unit guy. So that certainly in that area he will help. Certainly in terms of, of, of playing with pace and in and in uh, helping move the puck, he'll help in that area too. From the offensive side of the equation, because you know. Who knows when or what they're going to get out of Ryan Ellis? Yeah. I, I think he addresses the offensive side of the equation. Now, on the defensive side of the equation, um, you know, although he's improved to a degree and is not as much of a liability as he was at one point, he's never going to be a shutdown guy. I, I worry about the defensive side of the equation if he's playing on a top pair or he's facing all the all the other teams' top lines. Yeah, this is where I have an issue, Bill, because yeah. like that I wonder about it. I go, okay. I get you you like good passer power play guy helps you in those areas, but I see the two year deal at 5 million and I go, okay, that's too much for my third pair. Yeah. Is he going to be, if Ryan Ellis is not available and you know, the question of is this move because they know Ryan Ellis is not going to be available or they really fear he's not going to be available. Then is he going to be pushed into that top role? And I just wonder if night in and night out, from a defensive standpoint, when you've got to deal with the top line of the opposition, when you got to deal with a, a Bergeron line, or you got to deal with a Vetchkin's line, or you got to deal with the top line of the Islanders, or you got to deal with the Stamkos line with Tampa and on and Barkov in Florida, you know, you get that assignment almost every night. That's a big ask for a guy that, you know, I, you know, Chuck Fletcher's notion of, you know, the way to help defending is to defend less. Okay, to a degree. But you got to defend at points, and you got to be able to yeah. shut lines down at points in games, and that's where I wonder: like, does this fit? Because it's too expensive for a third pair, but it's 
got warts if it's a top pair. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And if you move him to the middle pair with Travis Sanheim, that probably puts Rasmus Ristolainen. And you're on back the in the same pair. spot. The same you're back, in the, you're back in the same. Yeah, back yeah. in the same spot that, that you were. That those are my my biggest concerns because with D'Angelo coming in. That's basically that's basically your LTIR allowance. If you're assuming, that, you know, I'm assuming that uh, even if they even if they don't add a Johnny Goudreau type, as all the r- rumors have, and they have to find space for that. But you know, l- let's assume that they make smaller moves. You're, you're still going to be over the cap, and you're you're relying on that that long term injured reserve money. You know, the allowance that takes it up. I mean, that, that acquisition it's a wash, that, basically. Yeah, it's a wash. So. You know, and then that's assuming you don't have Ellis. If Ellis comes back at some point, then you're really scrambling. So, you know, those are those are my my biggest concerns. Um, and you know, there there's the other thing too, where the the Slave and D'Angelo pairing worked really really well. Uh, you know, Tony D'Angelo was a very intense guy, very intense burns player. Hot. Burns hot, yeah. Burns hot. Whereas Slavin is unflappable, calm. Yeah. You know, so he's he's a guy who would drop the temperature when, when he needed to, and you know he's not he's not a shrinking pilot either. If the guys need to be held accountable, he's a guy who steps up and does that too. Um, I mean, to me, Slavin is one of the most underrated defensemen in the NHL. But that's why that pairing worked because they balance each other off. Um, you know, uh, D'Angelo helped Slavin bring out a little more offense in his game. Slavin helped balance off whatever liabilities that that. Uh, D'Angelo had where he could he could take some of those risks that he takes. Ended um, up being a plus 30. Because, ended up being, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so even though, you know, so my, my concern is, I, I mean, I guess maybe you default to putting him with Ivan Provorov, then that would seem to be, that would seem to be the, the first step that you take. Um, you know, uh, and Provorov, Provorov does a lot of things well. That That's a, the thing with Provorov. He eats a lot of ice time and he does a lot of things well. I don't think ever Ivan's ever gotten to the point, at least so far, where he's elite in, in any one particular area of the game. He's just, you know, he's just good at a lot of things. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know if that balances each other off as well as as a Slavin type did. And, you know, I worry a little bit about the personality blend yeah. between the two. All right, let's, so, let, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's part of it, you know, with Provorov, who, you know, was edgy last year, to say the least. Yeah. And then you, you have a guy that comes in with D'Angelo, and we know about his past. We know what happened in juniors when he was suspended for the racial situation, something that he said that he's, you know, said he's apologized for and, and has learned from. And then, obviously, the situation that happened in the Rangers and to lead them to basically walk away from the player and just sit him out. And the Georgiev thing, which I believe was, you know, there was a miscommunication at the end of a game in overtime. And it ended up in the back of their net. It was the miscommunication was between Georgiev and D'Angelo, I yeah. think, on going back to get a puck. And it ended up in the back of the net. They had words. And eventually, I think Georgiev punched him. And it came to blows, which isn't all that uncommon that a hockey two hockey players on the same team may come to blows because they're in a heated competitive situation. But uh, that was the last straw. And he gets sent out of there. But he goes to Carolina and did the right things uh, by all accounts and Teammates liked him. Coach had good things to say about him. They wanted to keep him. Um, but you do have a volatile situation here, Bill, in Tony D'Angelo coming back home. Uh, and, and at this point in his career, he played for a million last year. Now he's playing on a two-year contract for $5 million per. Is that hunger of staying, walking the line still there? 
We know Torts isn't going to deal with it. How do you see that part of the equation playing out? Because it is a concern because there is history. and We can all say it's history, but until it's proven through time, we don't know. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, this past season for Carolina in general, it was a pretty stress-free season until the playoffs. Yeah. You know, they, they well-oiled they were, machine. Yeah. Very well-oiled machine. Never had to worry about the playoff spot. They had no really prolonged slumps. They were, they were a top team in the East and uh, you know, and, and, uh, and again, you, you saw some of his emotions rise to the forefront in, in detrimental ways, not, not in terms of anything with teammates, just in terms of, Problems with officials, undisciplined penalties, those kind of things. Yapping with you know. Gallant in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and so you know that 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 raises uh, that raises a little bit of concern too, because the you know the the Flyers have one of the things the Flyers have to do is they have to play with more discipline, and you know whether it's on the, on ice discipline or off ice discipline, you want to stay on John Tortorella's good side because he he does not put up with. You know, he doesn't put up with players who don't don't play or, or act as as he demands of them. So, I mean, that that's potentially volatile, too. I, I think that he'll come in and, you know, I'll be fine early on and you get into the season and, you know, there'll be tests. There'll be tests of that relationship. There'll be, te- you know, and, and, you know, and hopefully for what's best for the, the Flyers and, and, you know, team as a whole is that he passes those tests and gets you another – Really, you know, his last two seasons he's actually played, he's had 50-plus points. The one the one year he was sent home, only played six games, and, you know, really didn't play the rest of that season. So he's the guy you know can get you, you know, he can get you 45, 50 points, get you double-digit goals and those kind of things. The, the bigger picture here are all things that I, that I say, you know, you just just wait, wait and see. But I do think people that, that have concerns and questions about it, you have to, you have to say there's legitimate questions right now. Till, totally till prove it. Yeah, is this too much of a risk to take on for the up, potential upside? I, look, I I know that you have limited, you know, options when it comes yeah. to right side defenders and ones that can help your power play and be offensive and all those things. But you, you just got to ask yourself that question: is is this too much risk to incur for a team that's dealt with culture issues? And bringing in John Tortorella, there's going to be a cultural shift. Is this too much to ask? Let's get to. Uh, let me ask you one more thing. Then we're going to get to ask Billy yeah. questions. Uh, obviously, the draft took place, um, and uh, you know the Flyers select a whole bunch of players. They end up with Cutter Gauthier uh, with the number one, their first pick, fifth overall. And boy, I, I loved talking to him the other, at the draft too. He oh, yeah. was unbelievable. Great energy, great kid. And they get Kaplan in the in the set in the third round. Uh, anything stick out to you in the draft? Where's the the big value here for Bill Meltzer? Well, I, I think that by Gautier has, I think with Gautier, there's always, as particularly in this year's draft, there there's there was not one player in this draft who has no question marks. Now there there was no franchise player slam dunk kind of guy in this draft, but in Gautier you got a a guy not just with size but is also also a good skater, also. One of by by scouts accounts league wide, one of the best natural shooters. You know, he, he has a f- fantastic shot, a very quick release. Um, and I mean, like, the question mark has really been he's been a good scorer. You know, he's he's been a been a, been a fine scorer for the lower levels, but not overwhelming. Not a guy you're oh well, this is going to be a forty goal guy. This is going to be a fifty goal guy. And you know, he hasn't 
he hasn't really shown that so far. But uh, you know, I, I is that kind of like Chris Kreider until this past year? Yo, know, you saw the way he yeah. skated, the way he moved, the way he shot. And you kind of yeah. go. This year, obviously, he got it done. But I mean, a lot of those years, I looked at him. I go, man, this guy should be just putting up bigger numbers. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and, and uh, the comparison player, because I've heard I've heard a number of guys, you know, like like he's who's been compared to, uh, and, and even Chuck, even Chuck Bob, Jeff Carter. I don't really see Jeff Carter. I I, I think that um, Craig Button's uh, comparison to Max Pacioretty, because Pacioretty is a guy who had the, the very same set of tools. Now he was a late first round pick, but but a you know, but all that same set of tools and his his production at the lower levels of hockey, and it's rare, it's usually the other way around. Yeah, we're fine. They were fine, but you, he, he didn't do anything. You go, what this is a guy who's gonna score 50, 30 goals five times in the league by the time he's yeah. 30 years old, you know, which he did. And this is you know, and this is a guy who's gonna be a leader in the NHL level. I mean, he so Gauthier has all those same traits. A guy like Patrick, including the shot, including the ability to to get up and down the ice really well, especially for a guy his size. So I, I think that there's a there's a lot to like about this player's upside. Um, has some two way element to his game. He uh, now now this is this is a little different here. He, he's a guy who maybe even could play center. Now I don't I don't know if he if he uh, you know he he could take the puck to the net very well. I don't know. He's he's not a fancy stick handler or anything like that. He's not really a distributor, and it's okay. I mean, a line can have a center who's more of a shooter than than a you know the uh, playmaker, but that's not the norm typically. Usually, your your center is the guy who you know sets other guys up. I mean, it can work. It can work, but but it gives you you know gives you options. It gives some versatility. So I mean, all all those things are things that I like. We'll see how it works out at center. If he ends up back on a wing, fine. Actually, James Van Riemsdyk was drafted as a winger. Was tried uh, at University of New Hampshire as a center and actually in Toronto later on they tried him for a little while yeah. as a center. So, you know, if if he has, if it takes a little time to figure out where his best fit is, you have that time. I mean, I think he'll he'll play one year of college hockey and then from there you see okay, is is he does he need a half a year in the AHL, one year in the AHL or maybe jumping right to the NHL. I, I don't know, but I really I really like that pick. Uh the I think Flyers fans are are going to love Devin Kaplan, actually, um, and there there's a guy who I think that some of the public there's a difference sometimes between I think the public scouting reports and what you actually hear from NHL scouts themselves. I'm glad that Chuck addressed this because there's nothing wrong with his skating. Actually, in a straight line, he's actually he's actually an above average skater. Now cuts and turns, and he's not going to. You know, he's not going to deke around guys and and uh, you know dangle guys or or whatever. He's he's a he's a pretty old school north south guy, but you know, but, he, but there's there's some ability there too. I mean, uh, the guy that I liken him to is uh, Tyler Pitlick, actually. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, and the thing that I liked about Pitlick, and of course, had that one good year with the Flyers, was that a guy, that's a guy who could play on the fourth line, and he could play on the third line and adjust to either role. Pretty successful. Yeah. I, th- I think I think Kaplan is the kind of player who can do that. And the rest of the draft, I mean, it, then you're getting, you know, then you're getting kind of much deeper into the draft. So you're you're looking you're looking at attributes, right? So Alex Bump is a natural scorer. Uh, some questions about his compete level, his 200 foot game, those kind of things. I mean, he he admits that he's more scorer than you know uh, than anything else. So you know. 
maybe maybe those questions are answered in time. You're you're taking you know you're taking um, yeah you know, you're you're taking a pretty low risk gamble to me on on the guy on a skills guy. Um, yeah. You know the other picks we'll see. But by that point in the draft, you're basically looking for one thing that stands out. And it was a, a nice little story, you know, without uh, without Gendron in the last round, and and uh, you know, not just not just because he's he's Marty Gendron's son, but because that's a guy who came out of junior A hockey, really had a good year on a bad team in, in the Quebec League, and it's a seventh rounder, and it's just if, if you get anything out of it, it's it's gravy. So yeah. No doubt about it. Let's get to some Ashley questions. Let's start out right here with uh, Mikey D from the OBMP. And uh, he says, which player from our crop is the closest thing we could call, quote, the future of this organization? Now, I'm assuming crop means out of all the young players, some guys maybe that are in the NHL or guys that were just drafted at any, I guess, maybe like an under 22, 23 year old type thing like the future of the flyers organization and i've been thinking about that i'm 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 going you know there's a lot of guys that are a part of the future there's no headline guy like you know you drafted austin matthews and that's the face i i don't see that but i see a lot of guys that could and should be a part of the future whether that's you know guys like cam york or you know guys like that but i i don't see a, a marquee face no, neither do I. I I, I see two layers in here. I, I see guys that uh, are no longer on their entry level deals and are still young, and you need them to take that next step forward, right? So you know, the three guys are York, Tippett, and Frost, and this is a big year for those three guys. Huge. This this is the year where you know there none of them are well, yeah. You, you know you're not going to like Frost, for example, would have to clear waivers. If you want to send him to the Phantoms, right? Um, you know, Tippett has Tippett has the same amount of he has three full pro seasons at this point, and he's another guy that uh, wouldn't you know you have you couldn't wave you have you have to wave rather to to send down. This is their chance to shine. Well, you know when, when you're when you just drafted some guys and you really need to show some depth, and you need to know what these guys can do. They finish the year strong, but they need to pick up where they left off and grow from there. And then I think, by the way. You will have you you have a much better chance of three legitimate lines and guys that can, you know, contribute over a longer stretch of time. And both Frost and Tippett have the talent to be solid, strong, contributing NHL players. And so opportunity the, in front of them yeah, to do it. This, this this is critical. This is critical. Yep. And uh, you know Cam York as well. I mean, you're talking about. I mean, all three guys were first round picks, and and the you know, so you know this is this is this is their time to shine. I, I think when you're Looking longer term, uh, we just talked about Gautier. Um, you know, hopefully Tyson Forster, who looked so good during the, you know, during the that AHL season, shortened AHL season during the pandemic, and then you know, we were talking we were talking about prospect injuries, right? Well, I mean, he basically he basically lost last season to a shoulder injury. He was, yeah, and he came back late in the season, and he was still working his way back in. So it was kind of a lost year for him, other than. Other than seeing how a you know how a fully stocked AHL was a better league than the kind of watered down version the previous yeah. year, so we had a little better sense of what the pros were like. Just even though it was only nine games, but it was kind of you know kind of a lost year. It, it's it's big year for Forster, who will be uh, you know, and I, I don't see him making the Flyers out of the start of camp, but just in the AHL, you want to see some consistency. You want to see him continue to refine his skating stride, all those kind of things. Um, you know, he has uh, probably 
probably the best. He's probably the best flank shooter in the organization. If it's not him, it's uh, Wade Allison, who can never seem to stay healthy either. But but Forster has the that upside of being a guy who, you know, who you could year in and year out if if he clicks, be your thirty to thirty five goal guy, and uh, you know, be your be your flank shooter in the power play. He has a really good one timer. So yeah, yeah I'd, I'd I'd love to see that. Whereas you know with, with Gautier, um, he's not so much flank. He's a little bit more from the slide. He'll get to the net and can, so they could both they could both fit in in the big picture in the long term. You just want to you just want to see them develop, and they need yeah. time and the play to develop. You know, and then you have in the in, you know in the other phase you have guys who have just raw talent. Uh, Samu Tuamawa being a great, he can fly. He has great hands. Has a lot of developing physically, game wise, maturity wise, to do. You, you, it's unrealistic to expect, as, as Alan McCauley said, all these guys to click and, and hit their ceilings. But if a couple of them do, then you have solid contributing players. But not not one of them is going to be, you know, uh, do kind of what Claude Giroux did, right? Where he was a he was yeah. a he was a Hart Trophy finalist one year. He had a hundred point season. I, I don't think any of these are going to be that guy. But they can be they can be solid contributors in your top six, your top nine, and you add the high end talent into that. And then you know, then you have a then you have a team that's competing for a top spot. But they don't they don't have those guys who are going to be okay. This is this is going to be the man. So you but the but all the guys that uh, you know that we just mentioned, I think can be can be part of the answer at least. Yeah, and that brings us to high end talent, which Chuck Fletcher said the best way to get high end talents to draft it and develop yeah. it. Uh, but brings us to our next question and ask Billy from Jared at JBPHI. He said, quote, I've heard a few folks speculate that Fletcher could send an asset to Calgary if they move on from Johnny Gaudreau and just want to get something, anything in return for his rights. What might that asset be? And he reminds us that back in 2019, the Flyers did send a fifth round pick to Winnipeg when they acquired Kevin Hayes rights. So Johnny Gaudreau, obviously, is the question first before you even get there, though. You've got to shed cap space. Yep. And from what I've been hearing, and uh, I'm sure you as well, finding people to take on cap space is 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 a big ask right now, especially right now. Maybe that gets easier after free agency and everything's kind of come and gone and the shopping's done. But right now, it's very difficult to do. And we know the guy. I mean, we're not going to hide around it. James Van Riemsdyk and that yeah. $7 million contract is the guy. You and I have been pretty against sending an asset to relieve yourself of that. But if they're going to get in the Johnny Gaudreau sweepstakes and he hasn't signed in Calgary as of this minute, uh, then they're going to have to do that. Would you be okay with them sending a prospect or a pick or anything to relieve themselves of James Van Riemsdyk? Would you be happy with them sending JVR and a rostered player for a team to take it? Or are you staying away from Johnny Gaudreau period end of sentence? Well, I think that, um, the reputed price tag for for cap relief, significant cap relief, is that Florida 2024 first round pick that the Flyers got for Claude Giroux. I am dead set against that. Dead set yeah. against it. Uh, that to me is very short sighted for one year of cap relief. Yeah, that's the uh, thing. It's only one year. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know. You're, you're, yeah. Exactly. It's not a guy who has three years where you know. Yeah. I, I would rather see the Flyers if they can. They could eat up to 3.5 million. So I'd rather see them eat the 3.5 million and try to find other ways to, to get cap compliant. I mean, you know, I, I Oscar Lindblom is another guy who just because of his $3 million salary, 
Um, you know, but it might be a guy who, who gets sacrificed in the trademark and you're not getting back what you, you know, you might otherwise want to get back, but you know, you do, it, it has, it has to all add up. And then, you know, then you also look at, I mean, you know, I, I actually had a, a discussion with, uh, not, not, not a flyers person, but someone in the league about Goudreau and, and he was of the opinion. And I, I can't dispute this, that if Goudreau comes here, you know, you can forget the hundred point season that he had in Calgary. He's not going to get that here. He'll lead the team in scoring. Yep. You know, he, he could be a point of game guy. He, you know, he, he could lead this, he could lead the team in scoring for several years in a row. Yeah. I mean, he and, had an all time year last year on a great yeah. line, plus yeah. 60, 115 right. points for Daryl Sutter. Right. <laughs> right. And that's, you know, that's, that's quite unrealistic. <laughs> that's, you know, that, that will be his career year in all likelihood. Yep. And, Probably won't. Probably again. Probably won't even get within 15, 20 points of that. But still, you know, seventy-five points, eighty points, whatever, will would lead the Flyers most likely. Yeah. And you know, I think there, I think there's enough around him that that you know that that he'll still score at a good clip and set other guys up and make other guys on his line better during the regular season. I don't think, however, that it that addresses the Flyers' biggest needs here. I just don't. Um, you know, and. You know, I was against the Alex DeBrinket for a different set of reasons. Yeah. But but the one commonality between the two of them is I think that where cap space is touched at a premium and the cap is not going to go up for another, another year, probably, you know, year after that is when it really goes up. And, you know, it's not as much not as much of a concern. You know, we I mean, we just talked about D'Angelo and then the Flyers needs on the blue line. And, you know, and Travis Sanheim is a year from unrestricted free agency and. I just think when you look at the big picture of the team, they're they're not a. To me, if, if you if you think you're a a scoring winger away from, you know, from contendership, and really, I mean, to me, you build down the middle. I, I'm 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 of that old school philosophy. Blue line and down the middle, and then you and then you round out on the wings. Yeah, and the, the time the time to go get that big offensive winger is when you're close, when you have the other pieces in place. Yeah, not when so, you're coming off the last two years that they came off of with a lot of question marks. Right. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think they're in that space. Yeah. Uh, you know, if Gujo came here, it would be he's obviously a very exciting and very creative player, fun to watch. Um, you know, he, he would, he would only, I mean, he, he would help the team individually, but I don't think the team itself is at that stage where you, where you take that step. So I would rather see the Flyers. View this as view this as like a a, a two year process, mm-hmm. you know. So for this year, you you see, you know, you see if you some young players can step forward, see if you can create a little bit of cap wiggle room going ahead, and then you know, and then if you then if this year if you contend for a playoff spot or you even better manage to eke out a playoff spot and get in, you know, whatever whatever might happen in, in a postseason. You know, you know what? We're we're two two seasons ago was largely injuries. We step forward this year. We have a good system. We have a you know a good identity going ahead. Then maybe another year out or whatever, you might look to you might look to add a, a, another piece on the wing. But to me, when you look at uh, and, and, I, and I use this example on, on social media, when you look at you know if your house needs repairs and there's the foundation needs to be fixed. And this, the load-bearing walls, you know, are, are are iffy, you know, for for whatever sets of reasons. 
you fix your house, you fix the foundation, you, you, you make sure the structure can stand, and then you go out and you, you buy a sports car later on. You know, that, that, that to me, that was, I use that as an example for the brinket. Well, you, you know, you don't, go out and buy, you don't go out and lease a Porsche for two years when your house needs to be fixed. Yeah. Yeah, not when yeah, your ceiling's falling down, your foundation's yeah. leaking and all those things. It's yeah. not when you go out and you get the sports cars. It's not yeah. the appropriate time. And look, like you said, if they acquired him, would it be exciting? Yeah, there's an excitement to a, a player that can do what he does on the ice, no doubt about it. But does it get you ultimately to the land and the status in the NHL where you want to be? And that's a team that can get to the conference finals and then, you know, work their way to a cup and get and getting that in that area do they have those pieces that remains to be seen which, which brings us to our next question it comes from gabe washell uh gabe good guy uh tweets often and he said have you heard anything about Provorov? he said i have yet to see any actual reporters saying he's being shopped i personally don't think it makes sense to trade him now there's been a couple of reports that we haven't seen anything like like gabe said from a elliot friedman or a darren drager or uh, any of those level guys and I, I go, okay, if you're shopping him, if you want to trade pro Roth, okay, you can get something in return, mm-hmm. but one of those pieces you got to get in return is a replacement for Provorov right. <laughs> because right. I, like we just talked about with D'Angelo and fitting on a top pair. And the one thing that Provorov does have is the reliability of availability and the ability to play a lot of minutes. And, you know, I can't create another question mark by trading him. I haven't heard anything about Provorov being shopped, and especially because the, the tweet said the Flyers are finding it difficult to find any takers. And I, that to me, that I go, that doesn't wash because this contract, and again, that a, you know, the, the availability and what he can play and how he's viewed around the league, despite a couple of shaky seasons with this team, I, I just don't buy that. I don't no. know that that's in play. No, and. and uh... You know, the, the that part one, tipped me off that it, yeah. it was a bit of a BS report. Yeah. And, and as you said, it wasn't from I mean, it was from an Islanders blogger, basically. Yeah. They said and, too much in their tweet. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a difference between and this this is actually something Fridge did say at the end of the season. And I think this is accurate. I don't think Provorov is untouchable anymore at this point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that is. But there's a difference between. If there was a hockey trade that you could make that helps your team, is a whole a whole lot different than the guy being shopped. You're you're not you know you're you're not, they're not desperate to deal him. That certainly wouldn't be for cap relief because you'd have as much cap probably coming back in the trade. I mean, unless you want to unless you want to step backwards, he's not making relatively speaking for a you know top pairing defenseman in 2022 making a crazy salary or anything. It's not like it's a, a Seth Jones kind of a, a cap hit. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't buy any of that. Um, might he be traded? Yeah. I mean, and it, anything is possible, but it, it's hard. I mean, other, you know, other teams, you have, you have to find the right fit. That That's the hard part. That's the yeah. hard part where you, you find a deal where, you know, you're helping your team and you're not ripping a gaping hole in an already kind of patchwork blue line. Um, I mean, I mean, truthfully, you know, and I said also, also on top of that with Sandheim situation, you know, you're not going to, yeah. you're not going to trade a guy who, you know, is going to get you 24 minutes a night when you're 22 minute a night defenseman could walk in a year, potentially, you know, I, I, I just, I just, I don't, I don't see that unless you're getting something back. Now, 
you know, and this is just theoretical. It's not based on any actual news or anything. If you could get back, you know, a, a guy like a Jake Chikrin, right? Young, plays a lot of minutes, blah, 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 you know. A lot of snarl. Re- yeah, <laughs> yeah. Reasonable salary, you know, character kid, all, all those kind of things. So that it, it would basically be one top pairing defenseman for another team's top pairing defenseman, you know. Uh, both in kind of situations where, you know, maybe they might want to change the scenery. I don't know, but they, you know, or not, but they, but, but then, okay, then I could see it. If you could tie something in with those being the, the main pieces moving each way, but in terms of being shopped or, or having difficulty finding interest, I don't, I don't buy it. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't buy it either. Um, like I said, I think that, uh, the blogger said too much. And yeah. I mean, we've got a bunch of Brian Adams, Sweden rumors aside, just trading for Roth makes sense for this team. Sure. Everyone has a price. It would be a clear, it would help clear cap. And he seemed understandably frustrated at the end of the season, but doesn't that make an already less than stellar defense worse? And he's right. And Zach Anderson yep. said this recent report about pro Roth being shopped, if legitimate, what would be the reason for doing so? So I, a lot of people, you know, chiming in on ask Billy with that question. So let's get to our next question from Mike Evangelista. He said, Hey, Jason was wondering if the Flyers would be better off signing Trocheck and maybe trading for a Josh Anderson rather than going after a Johnny Gaudreau, kind of trying to spread whatever space we don't have out, have out, uh, thinking Hayes is a third line center, deepens us, keep up the good work. Great question, Mike. Yeah. Does that make more sense to go with two pieces to fill two voids than it does for, like we said, the the shiny sports car in the driveway with a leaky foundation? I, I think so. I, I think you. You know, and hopefully on shorter term deals and those kind of things yeah. too. Yeah, Trocheck's uh, not getting you a seven year yeah. deal. Yeah. So yeah, so you you go and you get a guy who, who might not be the you know the shiny big name, and I mean there are guys who are who are not getting qualifying offers. Like there's going to be interest in Dylan Strom, for example. No, yeah. I don't think Dylan Strom, although he's coming off a twenty goal year, you know he's been so inconsistent so far in the NHL, and you know it's another it's another guy who has some skating issues and those. But I mean. But still, a guy who's a top of the draft pick, actually, you know, in the in the Connor McDavid draft. And unfortunately, you know, he's kind of the he's kind of the name you look at at the top. Well, he's not a superstar, but he's you know he's he's a very talented player and and a competitive player and all those kind of things. And you know, scored twenty in Chicago. You know, that's that's a that's like a lesser move, but still young and those kind of things too. I mean, youth and you know all, all those kind of things. I think if you're trying to build still. I, I, you know, you might, you might look at a guy like that, but yeah, like a, like a Trocheck type, you know, like a Kubalik uh, on, on a wing. If you want to add a, you know, want to add a winger in there, cause he's also not getting qualified to me, smaller moves are, are sometimes the, the better moves to make. Even you can look at the Flyers example, the 2019 off season. And, you know, they didn't add any big names, but uh, you know, think about the impact that Niskanen had and, you know, and, and Pitlick was the perfect fit for that third line that year, you know, and, and he he clicked in the role that he was in. And, and Justin Braun was a nice a nice ad that year. If you can do that, you can make the, the smaller moves and not tie yourself into anything long term or or huge cap hit wise. Then I think, you know, then I think you might improve the team and, you know, not not hurt yourself in the long term. What do you think of when you think of potential guys to trade for Josh Anderson, of course, was with Montreal. Yeah. Uh, played for Torts in Columbus. He's a big body. His numbers, I think, this past year were pretty underwhelming. They had a rough year, obviously, in Montreal. Uh, but he's a guy that brings you something. You do need a little bit more size. We talked yeah. about some of their their smaller wingers and, and players that they have. But 
obviously Anderson does bring some of that size. What do you think of him as a, a possible target and trade? You know, Montreal's a team that's really been kind of moving and shaking here. And I, I have a feeling they're not done tweaking that roster going forward. Yeah, that's a guy who can come in, play a role, and and knows knows uh, Tortorella, knows the systems. You know, he he comes in and uh, you know, and, and he has the compete, wins battles, and all those kind of things. All those little areas that the Flyers, there's details the Flyers have to get better at. No, I he's not a guy I overpay for, but uh, you know, but yeah, like like those those guys who can come in and and fill a specific need over a you know over a reasonable period of time, whether it's a year, two years, you know, whatever, whatever the case might be. Um, not, not strong would be longer term than that if they sign him, but, but just, uh, you know, yeah, the, the yeah, he, he's another guy who fits in that kind of realm, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think you just deal with the fringes of the roster, you know, like Delorier's name comes out there. Well, that, that's fine. If you're just looking for, you know, role player types to, you know, compete at the bottom end of the lineup and add you know an element of toughness or or, or grit on the walls or, or whatever it is those aren't the guys that I think the Flyers need to be focused on I think it's guys that can come in and, and play somewhere in your top nine and, and be effective for for a period of time um Bill when you look at the situation and let's get to this question because I think it's a really good one and kind of going to lead us where we've kind of addressed part of it Savlin Forrest tweets in and says I understand the power play needs help however the D'Angelo trade just confuses me. I feel like the most intelligent way of improving this team is by solidifying the blue line. Why waste Hart's abilities by surrounding him yet again with a questionable group? So we've kind of addressed the Tony D'Angelo part of that. And maybe they are still in the market for another top pairing defenseman. And it's not a flashy piece like Gaudreau. But we know the situation with Ivan Fedotov. He's not coming over this year. He's obviously in his military training and you know duties over in Russia um we know they signed Felix Sandstrom how d- does Sandstrom get a, a viable shot at being the backup goaltender for this team or do they bring somebody else in in a tight cap situation there's not a lot of relief there between Sandstrom and a veteran that you could pay 1.5 or 2 to yeah. uh, how do you see that part playing out I think that they're probably back to looking at a veteran um you know, Sandstrom has shown upside for the for the Phantoms. Still needs a little more consistency, I, you know. And then you saw in the NHL too. You 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 could see there's something there. Could it, but you know, but if Carter Hart goes down for a few weeks and he's had, you know, thankfully never nothing ever serious, but he's missed time due to injuries every season of his career. And, and if you're looking at, at two weeks, ten days here or, or there. You know, you're starting a road trip. There's some back-to-backs in there. Do you feel comfortable right now as Felix Felix Centrum as your starter for you know for a, a run of games? No. And I, I I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm not there with Centrum. I think he still has some things to prove. And, and being being as such, there's not a competition. I think you bring in a veteran. Uh, and, and I was hoping they could have avoided that, but you bring in a veteran. You know, a Martin Jones type or what? It doesn't have to be Jones himself, but a veteran. And, <laughs> yeah, Holtby <laughs> yeah, sounds like he's not playing again. Um, but, uh, you know, so, something like that. And then if if Sandstrom takes it and runs with it in the, the AHL level and there's an injury and he comes up, then, you know, then you're in a, a positive situation. I mean, there are goalies out there. The problem, the problem is the cap, yeah. you know? Um, 
you know, like, uh, for example, after, after Fleury resigned in Minnesota, you know, well now you, you know, now you, now they have a, they have a situation going on there. Right. Cam Talbot. Yeah. Cam Talbot. He wants, he wants out and it's, uh, you know, Carter knows him well. And, you know, he, he was, was here for a brief period of time, wasn't he? Yeah, he, was, he, was, he was here for, he was here for a couple, you know, for about six weeks or whatever and barely yeah. played, got in a couple of games. Um, but the cap hit is so high. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and Mike McKenna tweeted and he's right. I mean, the going market, even on, on veteran backups right now is a couple million dollars that the Flyers don't have. Yeah. So I think they said I, on yeah. for each set on 32 thoughts that 14 teams right now are looking for goaltending. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a goalies market right there. For, for, for sure. Yeah. You, any, anybody you're going to get in your, you know, in the, in the, in the, modest cap hit range is going to be a guy coming off of an injury coming off of a poor season or you're relying on a, on a young goalie who's still trying to prove himself so it's the you know this couldn't have happened at a worse time for the flyers because they had they had potential competition and two goalies yeah. with some upside and now you know now they're 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 scrambling so yeah yeah it's and it's so important for them and how that plays out is going to be another one of those interesting storylines and got to see what kind of cap space we have. Bill, are you ready to brace yourself that if Johnny Gaudreau hits the open market, does not re-sign in Calgary, and then signs with the New Jersey Devils, what Flyers Twitter is going to be like on that day? It may burn <laughs> to ash. Yes, <laughs> that, that would be a good If it day. hasn't already. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good day to, to, to stay offline, truthfully. Yeah. But, you know, I mean... They're in a different cap situation. They're, 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 they're in a different situation. And, uh, you know, I just the, – the Flyers can't worry about where another team is. They have to worry about where they are. And where they're going. And yeah. where they're going, where they're trying to go. And so, you know, if, if Goudreau signs with the Devils, well, you know, <laughs> I guess good for the Devils. But, uh, you know, but I, they, they can't worry about it. You have to – you have to continue to build your own team. And we were, we were just addressing a whole lot of needs that this team has and nothing happens with this team. You know, if Sean Couturier doesn't bounce back and if Kevin Hayes can't stay healthy, I mean, one of the, something you just absolutely cannot separate from what happened last year was they lost their number one center. Their number two center was only healthy for a quarter of the season and was basically out in the first half. And you're, you lost a top pairing defenseman too. And, yeah. You know, the, I mean, Ellis is still so up in the air, but but assuming they don't have him, you know, you want to – those key guys at the top of the lineup have to stay healthy, and then the other guys have to bounce back. And if, if you know, you get some of that, you should be better, and we talked about, you know, but – so I, I, I think that for the team situation right now, you just – to me, to me, it's as much about an evaluation year and, and trying to establish playing the right way and, and, and recreating – or reestablishing an identity mm-hmm. as it is about trying to contend. And I know that's not, uh, that's not what I think people would love, would love to hear, but I think that's the truth. Yeah. And last thing, you know, a GM in pro sports, you know, a lot of times people want a rigid plan, but you, I, I often don't think that you can't have a rigid plan because there's other GMs that have plans that are malleable. So I think you have to be malleable as a GM. You have to sense opportunity to be ready to pull the trigger when it presents itself in a positive way for your organization. You got to have some guts to make some moves that go, okay, it may look like I may lose this on paper, but I believe in in my instincts that this is going to be right for the team and it turns out that way. You know, I know a lot of people want that rigidity of 
Chuck Pletcher having this defined plan. You didn't get Merkit. You must be going to be go after Gaudreau. And it just doesn't work that way because there's a lot of things that need to fall into place for opportunity to take place. You can create some opportunity. And I think a lot of people are miffed at this point as a recording that they haven't traded away salary yet. I said that I thought that's more something that would happen this week heading into free agency yeah. post draft. But and we'll see if it does. But obviously, the asking price is extremely high and we'll see how much they value, you know, creating that cap space to do that. But I think that that idea of a of a rigid plan going into an offseason is not really something that's possible, but you have to have where you want to go and how you want to attack it in many different ways planned out so you can pounce when it does. Yeah, and and I just think the biggest part of being malleable is having, you know, the the wherewithal to have a plan B if so and so gets hurt, or you know, you you can't get player A, so maybe you sign a guy on a one year deal who can, you know, for a time period. It, it, it really, you know, that that's the whole thing with the with the you know, the good what a good general manager does. Is there's always there's always backup options of which. You know, of which having cap space is a piece of that regardless anyway. Because if you're- Yeah, there's a flow chart yeah. to everything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, Bill, this was great. We went on for a long time. Usually we would break this into two episodes, but uh, we're going to keep it as one because it deserves to be one. It was that good. Uh, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks to Bill for joining us. As always, another great segment of Ask Billy. Great questions from everybody as well. So if I didn't get to your question or we didn't get to sorry about that, we'll maybe tackle them in, a, in an upcoming episode and we'll keep things flowing and the information flowing as we go. Development camp's underway. We'll bring you some uh, content from there as well. We'll join you Wednesday on another brand new edition of Flyers Daily. Thanks for listening, everybody. Flyers.